All right, we have Swasti Shukla Buick in the house. Swasti, Hello. thank you so much for joining. I'm so happy to be here. You have no idea. I'm super excited. Yeah, I've been waiting similarly. I've just been so excited for multiple reasons. One being this is a topic that I've just been waiting to have this conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. There's just so many feels I feel like all of us have. And then also it has been pretty much like 25 years since I have spoken to you or seen you. I know it's crazy. I can't believe the first time I like saw you saw you was maybe 10 minutes ago on this little screen that we had up over here, which is crazy (laughs) to me. (laughs) And it's like such a like, you know, a lot of brown people can relate to that, like meet cute story of like, You make a friend when your parents first move from the country and then they start to introduce them to other cousins of cousins and friends of friends. And then you have this little small majority of India that you're friends with. Yes. I think that's how I knew you is we got introduced to you because of another friend that we were getting to know. Yep. That was the uh, Lake Biltmore complex of friends. Yes. Oh, my God. I found a photo actually recently and I was like looking for you. And I think you're in another one of like Shivani's birthday or something. My oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I would love I to know. see those. You got to send oh, them I'll over. I'll definitely send them. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cute. We ran that town, that little corner of Cupertino. <laughs> uh-huh. Remember we climbed the trees up in that apartment complex? There was all one the tree. Time. Yep. That we all would like go sit on that one branch. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yes. And now I look at trees and I'm like, there was a time where I was very badass and I would climb these trees. Like, you know? Yes. And now I'm too scared to do it because I'm going to skin exactly. my knee on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> Our bones just work differently now. Yup. <laughs> so I, uh, like I said, you know, beauty is a topic that also a lot of, this is one of the first topics that I tend to relate to other brown women about, whether they're Indian American or any other type of brown. It's honestly, every woman thinks about beauty, you know, Mm -hmm. whoever you are, I think this is something that is so important to us and and not for the vanity's sake, but because it determines so much of our identity and our self-esteem and sense of self. So this is a very complex relationship. And I know we're not here just to talk about like makeup and looking pretty, which is also important, but also (laughs) more about the deeper issues of what beauty has done in our psychological journey to get to know ourselves and love ourselves. For sure. That's super important. It is a complex relationship that we have with beauty and beauty standards and everything in between. Yeah. And I have actually, that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you is because I have been in admiration and I have such mad respect for the platform you've created. And even just like going out into other platforms like BuzzFeed, and we'll get to that more later, but being very open and vulnerable about your stories and representing our South Asian standards of beauty just by also literally being there in the video. I'm like, oh my God, she's so hot. And I get to see (laughs) someone who looks sort of like me. Thank you Um, so much. (laughs) But you also talk about it. Yeah, of course. It's very sincere. So um, I'm just really excited to talk to you about this specifically as well. I mean, it's my honor, honestly. Like I when you first messaged me about this, like my heart just jumped out. I was like, this is perfect. And I know that you're like just this boss bitch. So I was like, oh yeah, I get to work with like this boss babe on her dope podcast. And like, I was super thrilled to be a part of it. You flatter me so, Susie. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to kick off the conversation with just kind of like going back level setting 
if you can think about your first experience with feeling aware of your body and like really knowing, huh, this is what I'm being told is the right way to do it. And this is the wrong way to do it. What do you think of? So, okay. This first started and it was a seed that was planted actually by my mom. Um, when I was in third grade, I was sleeping in this like bunk bed. I was on the bottom bunk. You know, my sister was on top bunk. My blanket was kind of like not fully on my body and my shirt was a bit lifted up. And my mom walked in and she was like, oh, Swasti, you have a beautiful stomach. And I didn't even understand what the fuck that meant. I know. So I was like, what like it's a stomach. about? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is just a part. Like, it's a torso part. And then when I got to high school, It was probably mostly around the end of junior and senior year when I started really looking up to and worshiping the body type of the quintessential Victoria's Secret Angel. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, that's what I want to look like. That's who I want to be. I want to be like Adriana Lima, Alessandra Ambrosio. They're so beautiful and they're so they all have one thing in common. They're very, very slim. And this is their natural body type, which is fine Mm -hmm. for them. It's not my natural body type. So I started starving myself um, and I ate an apple, five almonds for breakfast. And that's all I would have till dinner. And then I would have half a roti, small bit of sabzi. That was it. And then I would chew gum, cry, and I would still barely drink water because I thought that would puff up this beautiful stomach that I had. So obviously the features became concave. And then I kind of discovered exercising in the not healthy way where I would do 30 to 45 minutes of cardio and then cry about how I was hungry after that, but not eat anything. So Mm. that was when I really just fell into this pit of I need to fit this very thin body type, which is not my natural body type. And then people like aunties and all would compliment it and say, oh, you look so beautiful, so thin. And I was like, perfect. I'm nailing it. I'm never going to lose this body type. I will live like this for the rest of my life. And that's really when I fell into that uh, not so healthy relationship with my body. It was absolutely incorrect. I do not advise it for anyone. Right. And there is so much to say. First of all, thank you for sharing that. And there's just so much to say about how that starts and gets reinforced. Like Mm -hmm. to your point about your mom, she probably doesn't even realize like, you know, like people think it's a compliment, um, you know, and they see a feature and they're like, I'm I'm praising you and not realizing like the direction it can set us in. And it's completely unintentional. It's sort of how we've been reinforced. And then folks, when they do say like, oh, this looks great. You're like, oh, okay. I guess in this way I am accepted. Right. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. our our Indian culture can also be like other, you know, I know cultures are like this too, but they can be quite uh, critical. Uh, Mm -hmm. They focus on really small details. Like I remember I get my eyebrows started like most brown women, um, lots of hair on the face and (laughs) I have my dad's eyebrows and that did no favors to my, you know, look. So I would go and get my eyebrows started and every time I did it, like the woman would like examine my face and give me all this unsolicited feedback of like, oh, you have a pimple here. Like if you didn't have a pimple here and I'm like, oh my God, I like did not put this on my face like a pizza topping where I was like, oh, let's put some pepperoni over here, right? So it's definitely not in my control, but you start to really internalize these things that that people say. Right. And the other piece is whenever you enter, like similarly to the threading experience, like whenever Mm -hmm. you enter the room to your point about aunties, like your family will immediately do an evaluation of you as if- 
right? Like that's something that you're like, almost like a piece of meat. They'll grade you when you walk in and they haven't seen you. They'll be like, oh, you've lost weight. You've gained weight. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you just ate a little bit more. Oh, you, you must've been out in the sun a lot. You look a lot darker yes. recently. Right. And for that moment in the beginning, you start to determine the rest of your time because you're like I need to make that impression mm-hmm. and make sure that the next time I'm there they're like oh how beautiful how fair how skinny yes man you hit the hammer wait no hang on you hit the nail on the head with that because that's a hundred percent what it's like walking especially if you haven't seen them in a while definitely yeah man. the evaluation is very real so I I know like it's interesting like also with features too, right? Like I don't know about you, but for me, it was the nose. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. I had, this is funny. I was born with, okay, it's not actually funny, but I was born with um, this <laughs> thing called hemangioma and it is an overgrowth of cells on your nose. So on top of my already South Asian nose, I had, it was a bunch of like red cells on my nose. Mm. So when I was born, it was like bright red. It was like, they would call me Rudolph. Uh, it was a pretty bad time until I realized that Rudolph is actually pretty gangsta. Um, <laughs> he's in charge of the operation, basically. Like he's also, G. Rudolph is a female. <laughs> Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. What? <laughs> There's like a fact about like the deer that have antlers at the time or something like that. But reindeer are female. So actually, it's females that are helping Santa oh, the whole time. My God. Yeah. So even better. Yes. Okay. So I was Rudolph the bad bitch. And then when I, <laughs> it was, it was a great time for a minute. But when I got older, you know, people like bully you on the playground and whatnot. And they like make fun of your nose, tell you to like rip that cluster of cells off your face, which is not entirely possible without surgery. Um, you know, take the clown nose off. So eventually in the eighth grade for my sanity, my parents got the surgery done for me over the summer. So that was removed. As it was healing, though, I was on some serious drugs. So I punched myself in the face in my sleep because I had a very crazy dream. And now it's slightly crooked. So this was a this was definitely a topic. I would hear about my crooked nose from people uh, plenty because not only is it South Asian, but now it's also crooked. So you get to hear a little bit about that. And I did have a friend who once told me, man, you would look a lot prettier if you had your mom's nose. And I was like, fuck you know now my nose is like i not only am i fixating on it because it's like south asian nose it's not a little small button cute according to society nose but now on top of that it's also crooked so that was a that was a topic of contention for me and myself for a long time i actually was in a video where i got filler for it to fix because fix it and straighten it out a little bit but even with the filler and the fixing and in the moment I was thrilled with it, eventually filler goes away and then you got to pay like two grand or something to refill your nose. So like, I'm not going to do that. And I also don't necessarily want crazy nose surgery because it's kind of scary. Oh, so I terrifying. learned, to, yeah, it is right. Like your eyes get all black and like, I already had a to surgery. Like, so like remove the skin and yeah, it's ugh. a lot of, yeah. Yeah. And I've looked into like closed rhinoplasty and stuff, but to what we talked about once before, I really thought to myself, I am sure that there are other people who have had this issue or have like a slightly off center nose. And like, I'm not trying to necessarily, and you do what you want. It's your body. You can, if you want surgery, you get surgery and like exactly. more power to you. That's fine. I just don't know if it's any longer the route that I care to take because I've kind of learned to embrace it after the whole filler experience. Because like, you know what? It is what it is. It gives me some character. It's fine. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm so glad you have gone through that journey to come to that conclusion. 
I think that's the point and you exactly touched on it of the piece of like, if you want to get plastic surgery and that's what's going to make you happy, more power to you. I don't believe in also shaming women for getting any type of surgery to modify their bodies if that's what they truly want and that's what will help them. But at the same time, like, I think it's important to examine like is it because of society that we're also you know which again like we're helpless society is inundating mm-hmm. but if it's for the reason if it's not for yourself and you're doing it for someone else I think that's probably where you know we feel like girl like are you sure you know yeah. Um, because yeah I felt the same way about my nose and I honestly feel like caveat is like there could be a whole fucking movement about like South Asian women and their noses mm-hmm. I'm sure men also feel I don't know I, won't, I don't want to speak to them because I'm not one but at the same time like with women and noses like and right. because we on one level in American society if you're Indian American you're looking at Anglo bodies you're looking mm-hmm. at Anglo faces so we want to look more like that right right and I know that I have often I've often examined this is going to sound weird but like the privilege of also having features that can be appreciated by Western society mm-hmm. made me more accepted from a look mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, but the compliments were also not super flattering in the sense a lot of folks would say like, oh, do you have some European in you? You kind of have those features. Oh, really? Like mm-hmm. you're really pretty for an Indian girl, right? Like oh, those yes. types of things that a lot of us have heard. Um, And then on the other hand, in India, the standards you see are very much like fair, Mm -hmm. exceptional beauties, right? Like Mm -hmm. Aishwarya Rai. Like she is, I love Aishwarya Rai. Yeah. I just don't think she's a representative for all Indian women because she's very much an exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. But you see that and you're like, well, I should probably look like that. And the nose is really where I also targeted. That's why when you said the rhinoplasty piece, I was like, yep, I've looked into it and I'm Ashamed to admit, even as recent as this year, I was looking up because I was like, oh, we're all in like lockdown. No one can tell. I could be like, (laughs) I tripped, guys. Um, And yeah, it looks like, oh, does this look like Charlize Theron's nose? I couldn't tell. Um, And so I thought about it and then I learned more about it. I was like, fuck no, am I letting anyone rip my face apart to adjust this? It's not worth it. I mean, your nose is also, in my opinion, perfect. Like you are stunning, so you absolutely don't Ditto need to back do anything. To you, girl. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> and I mean it. I think that's the thing, right? Like it's in our heads sometimes. Like mm-hmm. we just we internalize these things over and over. And even when people are saying to us, like, "No, you look good," it's not because you're like, "I need it for my ego," but you're like, "No, you don't get it." Like I just feel like if I just change this one thing, right? Totally. It it happens a lot. I mean, sometimes also when you get and receive a compliment. You don't know whether it's just being said to be said or whether it's meant. And then, I don't know, we are our own worst critics. So like because of that mindset, it's like, what if it is a fake compliment? And what if I do need to fix X, Y, Z? And then you're comparing yourself to like every hot chick on Instagram or whatever it is. Because like society, once again, is dictating that those are the people who are hot right now. (laughs) So you're going to like compare yourself to them which we absolutely should not do and we shouldn't allow society to have the power to dictate to us and tell us what's popular because once again all these things go in and out of style 
Exactly. If you make decisions based on society, like you're kind of fucked actually, because it's interesting. Like if, even if we think about our childhood, right? Like mm-hmm. going back, like skirt, rewind to like nineties, <laughs> you're like nineties, two thousands, very like no curves, just mm-hmm. completely like low skinny jeans, very like minute features in your face, mm-hmm. straight hair, crimped hair. Okay. Yep. That's it. And then we all like put pressure. Like I need to look like that. I don't don't know. My stomach is a very South Asian stomach. It's never going to be like rock hard, like six pack, like abs. So I could never embrace that. Then now, like, thank God for like Kim Kardashian, JLo, Beyonce. But you see these Mm -hmm. like curves being, you know, embraced lips, like full features in your face also Mm -hmm. are celebrated. But it's like, if you made any decisions in that 90s, 2000s space because of that, you'd be fucked now because you're like, wait, so now I'm accepted. So it goes to show you, it's just like, there's always something that they're going to make up and we'll just believe it. Definitely. So you really just got to stick to loving yourself because these things really do go in and out. And like, you're hot regardless of whatever the hell society is saying is hot at the time. Yeah. You could waste a lot less time by liking yourself or learning to like yourself at least, even if you don't love yourself, you know, at least appreciating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and you mentioned earlier about, body and like working out the unhealthy way, which actually is really interesting to me too, because I want to talk a little bit about how relationship with exercise, because exercise is something what we think of a lot of the times for the vanity's sake of Mm -hmm. losing weight, looking a certain way, but there's also a really important factor of it's just good for our health, um, helps us live longer. And it's really not something in South Asian culture that I've seen really incorporated into the lifestyle I'm not saying everyone, but just generally Mm -hmm. speaking, um, in the way that maybe I've seen with like white friends. Right. Tell me about your kind of relationship with workouts and like workout culture. For sure. I mean, in my house, when I was a kid, it wasn't like go to the gym, like let's learn these exercises. It was like, let's enroll in AYSO soccer. And -hmm. like, that's how we're going to get active. And you have PE in school, so you can run during PE and like we can go on bike rides. So that was like, that was sort of how we embraced activity in my house. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily like, here, let's go to the gym. Let's work on like building XYZ muscles and like gaining strength. Um, It was like, oh, let's do these like cardio type things, which are also amazing forms of exercise. But when I was in my phase of when I was five, nine and 109 pounds and, you know, starving mm-hmm. myself, uh, oh my none of these lessons came back to me. Right. Yeah. Cause like in the end, the goal was like, let's achieve like a thin figure. So in college I met my now husband and he was very into weightlifting. So that's where mm-hmm. I started learning about it. Cause he would watch me like just race on this elliptical for 40 minutes to an hour at a time. And he was like, well, this is not working out very well for you. And you are way you're, you're way too skinny. You're anorexic because this is not your natural frame. So Mm -hmm. we are going to uh, do something about it. This is no longer acceptable. And he introduced me to weightlifting, nutrition, and like that whole just lifestyle. Um, so I just kind of fell in love with it after that. And like, now it's like, I go a day without it and I feel kind of like, oh man, I need to go back to the, like the gyms are closed right now. So I'm doing it in my Mm -hmm. house, (laughs) but it's, it just, it was, It really hit me when I was traveling. I went to school in Boston Mm -hmm. and I was traveling back home for, I don't know, Thanksgiving or something or the summer. And I had to pick up my carry-on and put it in an overhead bin. 
and I couldn't do it. I had to ask some man behind me to help because I couldn't pick up the suitcase. Oh, wow. So I was like, man, 10 was right. I do have to do something about this. This is just Mm -hmm. like not the way because I need to be able to like fend for myself. I can't just count on some man to help me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's when I really was feel like, oh, strong. Right. Yeah, exactly. I started looking up women's workouts and like, even though he taught me some and I really started exploring that world, um, powerful like bodybuilders and the uh, women who are progressing in that field. So like that was a huge source of inspiration for me when it came to actually starting to work out and then seeing your numbers go up and like you can lift heavier and seeing the changes that are made in your body. Like now I can pick up these XYZ cases of water bottles by myself. I don't need some guy yeah, to like, you do can. it for me, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like that, that was, I can pick up my suitcase. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, so like, was these, that your moment where yes, like at the end uh, of it, yeah, you're like winning yeah. the championship of, I lifted my own suitcase. That's right. I picked up my 30 pound carry on, threw it in the overhead compartment. Like it's nothing. And I was like, damn, I just did that. Ow, <laughs> <It's chill. ow. laughs> <laughs> but those are the small things that like happen that you're like, oh shit. Like I have been thinking about this so differently. Mm-hmm. And like, similarly, like I actually not, um, our family didn't even worry too much about sports because for them, it was that type of Indian family. That was very like your education's first. Everything right. else is a distraction. So I tried to like do lacrosse and things like in high school, but by mm-hmm. then it was like coming in the way of my APs. And so they were like, yeah. you know, it's okay if you want to ditch it, it's fine. It's not that they didn't encourage healthy habits with food. My mom like subscribed to the FDA and like all these new, like she was constantly like cutting edge, like health precautions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it just was the, the act of now this is a healthy part of your lifestyle is to work out regularly. Even like a 30 minute walk, try that wasn't a mm-hmm. part of it. So similarly, I adopted a very like fast and furious to look hot type of approach. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, I think for me, it was most telling in college where my parents moved to India when I had graduated high school and they went back to Hyderabad, Mm -hmm. took my sister too. So I was starting college at Davis and I started to follow this pattern of I would just kind of eat whatever, didn't really worry about the gym like freshman year. And then I would go to India in the summer and just completely crash diet. And my standard at the time was Priyanka Chopra in Dostana. I just thought, yes, she looks so hot and so Uh petite. And I was like, I'm going to look like her. So I followed, again, like a lot of similarities here, but um, I would follow a diet of like completely light, like no carbohydrates whatsoever. I'd have watermelon, yogurt, Mm -hmm. the curries that my mom would make without any starch or carbs. Um, I was always hungry. I worked out two, three times a day and then I lost a shit ton of weight. I, I looked quote, quote, great to people when I came back. Right. Um, but I was not, it was not sustainable. I wasn't happy. I wasn't nourished. Okay. So what sort of shifted for you? It was actually, so I graduated college a little early and I went straight to grad school and in grad school and uh, I went to Illinois, I suddenly gained 30, 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I did not understand. I was doing exactly the thing that I did where I didn't eat too much. Mm -hmm. I worked out constantly with cardio, like 40 minutes, 60 minutes of cardio, no weights, like had no concept of that. 
and still didn't see any results. So that after graduating from grad school, went home back to India and they did a bunch of tests just to see like what's going on. Mm-hmm. I just felt like such shit, invisible, like, right. Like the right, kind right. of like person I knew myself to be, didn't feel like that, look like that. And that's when they showed me that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is oh. known as PCOS. And mm-hmm. I think you might be familiar with it too. And, um, yeah. It is actually very under, it's not known, but very widely, but one in four women have it. Mm-hmm. So it's actually quite common and it tends to manifest in a m- bunch of different ways where you end up having maybe excess growth hair or weird growth hair in areas that you're not used to, Right. dark patches under armpits. You have higher, um, a higher increase of diabetes and um, heart disease, mm-hmm. higher levels of insulin. You may not have good period, like regular periods. Right. And right. ultimately also fertility issues too. So you could have a harder time getting pregnant. Right. I had no idea what the fuck this was when I got it. <laughs> and I like completely, like I kind of grieved for a few weeks of until course. I realized it was more like a lifestyle shift that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially it's because your hormones and insulin are kind of not in sync. And yeah. because of that, you don't lose weight and you gain weight a lot quicker. It takes mm-hmm. a lot more time to do it. So cardio doesn't work for PCOS in the way that it does for other people too. You have to do a lot of like weightlifting, slow, non-stressful workouts that do mm-hmm. kind of target areas. And that's what makes people get leaner or whatever desired body weight that they're looking for. Um, that was my awakening when I was oh, like, I okay, like this is realized, like I'm realizing how much my habits have been very much driven by how, because I'm attracted to men, like just how men will view me and not so much about like strength of my body. So now that you had this experience because originally you were working out because of like how men would perceive you, has that now shifted to actually like lifting weights and more for yourself and your strength? Yeah, definitely has shifted a lot. Um, I ended up for a birthday gift investing in a personal trainer and learning more Amazing. of, you know, weights pieces. Um, it, very expensive, but I was like, you know, it's worth the skills I'm developing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think still like I could, there's a lot more I need to learn. Um, and I have, I have to admit a little bit of a fear of if I do bodybuilding, will I get leaner or bigger? Um, I have this endless fear of getting bigger because of that period of time when I had PCOS and just ballooned and I was like, I don't know what's happening. So I think it just kind of traumatized me, (laughs) but it's a very much a misconception. I know that already. I can call myself out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, you don't have to worry about that at all. Cause like in order to get super gigantic, like super shredded, like, or jacked, not even shredded, super jacked, like a dude, you have to be on like stacks and stacks of roids because our body doesn't produce the testosterone that allows that. Or your genetics are going to be such that you put on muscle easily. But even Mm. if you put on muscle easily for us, it's not the same as when dudes lift, our bodies are just different like that. Um, so that you don't have to worry about that at all. And that the added benefit of muscle is it helps you burn more calories. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It's a cycle. Be, exactly. It's nothing to fear, but I definitely understand where you came from when it came from like a place of men and how they view you versus yourself, because I very much went through the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah. And I might yeah. need tips from you, honestly, actually, because you're a pro. So I might need like a Swasti Shukla like workout. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Anytime. I got you. I'm glad you invested in yourself, though. That's super important. Oh, thank you. 
Okay, I have to admit two things. One, I haven't been as good about lifting weights as I make it seem to Swasti since that personal trainer, which I should probably come clean to her about because as we know from any Shonda Rhimes TV show, monologues are normal and secrets lead to breakups. So there's that. And then secondly, that is part one of this episode. We'll be coming out with part two very shortly this week. And until then, bye.